welcome to Design Assembly Conversations. In this series, we talk to Aotearoa New Zealand designers, hear their stories and celebrate their work. I'm Louise, and today I'm talking to Celeste Scarchill from Studio C. Celeste is the founder of Studio C, a Wellington-based creative studio, and is an expert in delivering design for communities. Co-design, which is all about actively involving key stakeholders in the design process, is Celeste's passion. She believes great design improves people's lives in some way, and that's always her end goal. Working remotely and from Studio C's 10 square metre bush studio headquarters, Celeste and her team collaborate and work closely with organisations such as Zealandia, Te Papa and Red Cross to co-design clear, relevant and engaging brand experiences, ones that truly connect with their audiences. Kia ora, Celeste. Thanks for joining me on the Design Assembly Conversations podcast. Um, it's great to have you along and I'm looking forward to hearing about uh, your journey through design so far. So I'd love to start by asking you about your background and um, where you come from. Yeah, kia ora, Louise. Um, I've been looking forward to chatting with you. So in terms of my background, I grew up in Kaitaia, which is in the top of the North Island in a small place called Nātaki. And when I was little, my parents, you know, struggled a little bit financially. So often we couldn't afford money to go to, you know, different outing and places. So at a young age, my mum installed the wonderful tool in me of imagination at a really young age. And I remember this one hot summer's day and I really wanted to go to the beach, but we couldn't quite afford to. So my my mum and I got in our togs, we dragged out the beach towels. It was really hot. We jumped on the grass, slept on our sunscreen and we used the imagination tool to set the scene of the beach and it's memories like that that really remind me how lucky that I was at a really early age to have that power of imagination installed in me um so yeah right from a kid I loved everything creative and knew that I wanted to pursue a creative career and then so I looked into studying design at Massey and on my 18th birthday my mum brought me a skydive ticket and I, I love skydiving so much that I thought, well, actually, instead of design, I'm going to become a skydive instructor, which my dad was absolutely annoyed at my mum about <laughs> derailing my plans to go to design school. But after some good hard thinking, I did reevaluate the plan to be a skydive instructor and I did end up studying design at Massey. Um, and so I went to Massey with the hope of becoming a perfume label designer, super specific. Yeah. Instead of designing labels and packaging, what I started to find in my second year of study that actually what got me really excited about design was this thing called co-designs, so collaborative design, designing for people. And it was the process of involving people in your design process that really lit me up. And I thought, yeah, this is the sort of design that I want to do. And so that kind of set me on the path of becoming a co-designer and some co-design being a core part of the way that I design as a designer. Awesome. And and aside from um, that great um, introduction to creativity um, from your mother and your parents, um, can you think of kind of any like creatives or artists or designers that inspired you early on in your um, journey? Yeah, there's this one artist called Morag Myerscough, 
and she's an artist and designer. I don't know if you know her work, but she's incredible. Like you have to look her up. She creates these wonderful installations and immersive spatial works in cities and parks, and they're just packed with colour, typography, and just brimming with joy. And for for me, I love colour and the way that I design. So for me, she's always been a huge inspiration to just be really bold with colour and step outside your comfort zones when you are choosing a colour palette. So, yeah, for me, she's a real favourite. Definitely look her up. That sounds awesome. I definitely will. Um, And following your um, study at Massey, um, where did you start out in the working world of design? Yeah, so I started out at a place called Open Lab, which was a creative studio and worked on a whole range of creative different types of deliveries from campaigns to events to service design, co-design, sort of workshop-related stuff. So it was a really good foundation and start for my career, and I had incredible mentors. And as a start, it was really good because it kind of gave me a taste of the different types of creative deliveries that you might get to work on. And then from there, I went on to work at Te Papa designing events and exhibitions. Mm. And um, what were some of the big exhibitions that you worked on at Te Papa? So Bug Lab was definitely a real highlight. Uh, So it was an exhibition that we designed all about bugs and it was created in collaboration with Weather Workshop. So at an early on point in my career, I got to work firsthand with Richard Taylor and the team at Weather. And the exhibition was really cool in that the core design behind it was that there was these five chambers that would have these massive scale sculptural bugs. So you'd walk into a chamber and there would be this massive sculpture of a bug that uh, we'd worked with Weta to create. And I'll never forget a day uh, we went out to visit Weta and we walked into the workshop and there's all of these bees and the bottoms of them shoved in buckets just (laughs) scattered all over the floor and there was just bees everywhere. And then at these tables, there was packets of hairs, these pig boar hairs that they were individually punching into <laughs> each little sculpture to create the hairs of the little bee sculptures. And they were having to measure the angles of the hairs to make sure that they were scientifically correct. And I think For me, it was just a wonderful expression of creativity and how much detail and craft goes into creating these wonderful exhibitions and experiences. And so, yeah, that was a real highlight working on that exhibition uh, and all the different types of creativity that went into it. It's now touring the world, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, so it was a huge success. So, yeah, that's a real highlight that stands out for me. Yeah, and in specifically um, designing for experience design, um, you know, must bring with it like a, a set of skills and like you talk about that, marrying that craft and that technical detail. Um, what other aspects are quite unique to experience design then? I think in terms of collaboration is a really key skill set and component. So on those sorts, of exhibitions you would be working with curators writers you know sculptors spatial designers so many different types of creativity and craft 
that you had to really uh, be quite skilled at collaboration and a huge part of my role was running workshops between the team to foster that creativity and get those really creative ideas out and then translate that into what the experience could be whether it was a you know rubbing game we came up with this experience for the bee bee chamber where we'd rub the pads to heat heat up the bees so that you could um you know defeat the hornet um but we would also then it wasn't just about capturing the team's creativity but also testing that on the public to get their ideas and thoughts and experiences so yeah it's quite a complex way to design when you're involving people and you're not just assuming what it is they want yeah but there's a lot of cool insights that come out of involving the public in that process. So like for the bugs exhibition, originally we designed one of the chambers to be this spider experience. And the team was like, this is going to be the best experience ever. Like we're going to scare kids and it's going to be awesome. And we ran this workshop with the public and all the mums were like, we're not absolutely not bringing our kids to this (laughs) exhibition. You're going (laughs) to, you're going to scare them and we're going to have to spend the whole day like consoling our children because you've like scared them too much with the spider experience. Mm. So that was a really, really good reminder in the process of when you're designing experience to really work in with the people that you're designing for and not assume what it is that you think they want because often that's when you get better experiences is when you're working in with the people and that's how actually the honeybee experience came to life. We swapped out the spiders for bees because the community were like, well, having bees how come they're not in this exhibition they're such a fundamental part of nature and you're not even telling this story so yeah quite an interesting complex process yeah love that um and uh now you have founded and work for yourself um did that come after your role at Tapapa or yeah so basically I jumped um out of Tapapa so I'd worked on um, Gallipoli a bug lab and then toy art so the art gallery was the last exhibition and then I jumped out to start my own business and that was actually due to I had a really good friend pass away and my nana passed away pretty much in the same month and it's when moments like that happen uh, that really make you reevaluate your life and you know so I reevaluated things and I thought well I want to start my own business, but, you know, what if I don't make it into my later in life where I think will be the appropriate time to start my business? Why wait? Why, you know, what if I, what if? So I did just jump. I made the commitment and, yeah, it was really due to my nana and my friends passing that gave me the courage to do that and not wait. And, yeah, we've been running Studio C, um, five years now and I had imagined it would just always be myself and my husband but we've grown to a small team of six now so it's definitely exceeding expectations in terms of yeah the journey that we're going on. And has that been an organic growth or as you've gone along it's helping you to achieve kind of the work that you want to do? Yeah, so originally we'd set out and I thought I would structure the business as a as a collective model. So um, 
that Glenn and I would be the founders and then that we would operate as a design collective where we would work with creatives in the community and bring them in and out of projects as and when needed. But there was sort of that approach in itself was problematic and didn't really quite work. So that then evolved to having a base team of designers and operating as a collective, which is the model that we now run, um, which means that we've got a team of six and then we've got 15 to 20 creatives across New Zealand that we bring in and out of projects. Mm-hmm. And that seems to work really well with us in terms of being able to scale to the size of you know, the workflow that we have, but also match the type of creativity that our clients need to the project. So if we need a specific type of illustration, chances are someone on our collective can do that exact type of illustration. So yeah, that's a slightly different sort of way of working. Mm. And do you um, all work remotely from each other? Yeah, so how how it works is uh, everyone's working from home, remote, um, but we do run a hybrid work model in that fortnightly we come together at the studio. So our studio is located in the heart of the forest. And, uh, yeah, every fortnight we have a ritual where we can come together, be creative, and that helps keep us really connected. That is a bit of a, you know, struggle sometimes when you are working remotely. But it's really cool because at the start, when we were setting up the studio in the forest, everyone thought I was mad. They're like, what the heck? You're going to run a studio in the middle of the bush? How's that going to work? How are you going to have any clients if you're like in the bush? And I would send people Zoom links and I'd be like, what the heck's this? Uh, and then COVID came yeah. along and everyone, you know, now knows what Zoom is and lots of people are working from home. And so it's our normal has become more everyone's normal. And so it has really actually helped with facilitating the way that we set the business up and the way that we work. Yeah, fantastic. Um, how far from Wellington is the um, studio? So we're 45 minutes from the CBD and uh, we're in a little place called Blue Mountains, which is not Australia, in Upper Hutt. Yeah. And so you wind your way up into the hills. It's kind of if you've driven the Coromandel roads before, it's a little bit windy and you wonder where Google Maps is taking you. Yeah. And um, we've got a little... 10 square meter studio which is the size of your average size of the bedroom um, and we've got that set up with hot desks so the team can plug in and we've got room for three desks a little fold-up desk and then through the bush is also where we live so we have our house um, so we do take over the house at times in terms of the dining area and kitchen and doing any workshopping brainstorming there as well yeah I love that um, it seems like you've cr- uh, you know, aligned your values with your business there and how you want to live. So it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you bring clients um, up to the studio ever to do that kind of workshopping? And that natural environment must add to that. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite funny because when I created the studio, you know, that all of that feedback around how are you going to get clients and nerves around the studio being in the bush and quite critical feedback of that um, then kind of gave me a bit of a complex about the fact that 
the studio was in the bush and I was like, oh, people aren't going to think we're legit. Um, they're going to think this is weird. And so originally I didn't tell people about our studio in the bush uh, as, and then uh, it was through building client relationships that I kind of let slip that, you know, we were working from the bush. And what I started to realize that people loved that about us and people wanted to come out to the studio. They wanted to visit and, it was a key kind of unique experience for working with us was that, yeah, people love coming out here and we do invite people out here. So we've run workshops, very small ones, with organisations like Nat Library, training them in co-design. They'll bring their jandals, slip them on, put on some sunscreen, sit out on the deck, immerse themselves, see a tui, and we'll be like, you know, going through creative exercises with them. So it helps also shift our clients into like a really tranquil, creative mindset, which is, yeah, really helpful. Yeah, great. Is there a particular uh, project that kind of stands out for you in these first five years of your studio as being kind of quite key or pivotal so far? Yeah, I think the work that we've done will stand out for me in terms of we worked with them to create their wildlife and botanical signage. So it was, you know, I'd be sitting here with the doors open in summer illustrating, you know, tuis, and then I would see a tui and I'm like, I'm literally getting paid to illustrate the forest around me. And um, we created, you know, I think about 150 different wildlife and botanical illustrations we helped them uh, install all of the signage so Glenn and I were out there with a wheelbarrow pushing the you know signage along the footpath and installing them and uh, yes it's really special when you walk through there we are at Christmas we're walking through there with the team and it was it was raining but um, it was really beautiful seeing you know the the wet forest with you know our signs all in place and you know, the tuis flying by. We, we also help them create their little educational foyer space, which is the space to your left on the level one. And uh, they wanted to, they had exhibition graphics up there, but they were all static. And so we created this pegboard system where the Zealandia staff could basically pull out the pegs, recurate the space, move the display cases around, move the panels around, and this kind of flexible exhibition display space for them, which was heaps of fun. And we worked with a local artist um, who did a mural for it and, yeah, I think projects like that, because we love nature so much and it inspires us, just are a really good fit for us. And we're passionate about helping people in that space because it aligns with our values. And what's your role within the studio now and, and what's um, Glenn's role? So basically, I'm creative director and Glenn uh, focuses on construction and spatial design. So my role, small business, you're wearing heaps of different hats day to day. That might mean that, you know, I'm networking and focused on fostering client relationships. It might be like this morning, I was doing a little, a little illustration and, you know, infographic layout and then you know I'm on zoom calls working with a team bouncing ideas so it's really diverse in terms of the different types of 
creative muscles that I'm flexing and I may be then also popping out into the community to run workshops and gather you know research and creative ideas to inform what it is we're designing so yeah no day looks the same in terms of our business like it's really really different and then in terms of Glenn's side of things he's he's an engineer by trade so we've really got this beautiful mix and that I'm more aesthetic and people driven and he's really functional driven and so you've got this really lovely marrying of the two different mindsets of like form and function and aesthetic and beauty and kind of those coming together so you know a good example of that is you know we were designing a library cart for the Upper Hutt Library and uh, I'm able to kind of set out the experience and the look of the cart and how I want people to engage with it but then Glenn practically knows how to build it so he built the library cart he designed it you know uh, yeah he's able to actually do the construction and build of things which is a really lovely complementary skill set. And how do you balance that kind of the need of the business hats and then the creative hats? Or is that kind of about the business, like, you know, kind of fall under that creativity and having to learn new skills? Oh, I think kind of, I think first and foremost, I'm a creative and what I've really had to learn in my sort of journey along the way is the business mindset. And I think Glenn's been a real help with that in terms of the way that engineers' brains work and, you know, that they are very practical and, you know, even things like he's really great at the numbers side of things. And so it's really leaning on one another's skill sets to marry the two. Yeah. Yeah, and that importance, I guess, of um, having those partnerships within a business where you do have different skill sets. Yeah, I think um, in terms of running the business, partnerships have been absolutely key. Like it takes a whole army to do a business. And I don't think a lot of the time people put enough appreciation into how much support there is around them. They see, you know, six people in the business on the website. But what they don't see behind the scenes is all their family, whānau, you know, uh, other businesses that you're collaborating with and the collective um so yeah i think a key recipe to success in business is really utilizing collaboration like not feeling like you have to be good at everything yourself i don't have to be an expert at finances whilst it's good to have a really good fundamental knowledge i can lean on my accountant who's the expert at that Um, And it's recognising what skills you do have and what support you need in order to be successful. Yeah, definitely. Um, And so far in your career, um, what do you think some kind of key changes have been, like, you know, within how design works or within our society that have, um, like, moved and shifted design? I think in terms of, you know, remote work, hybrid work, that's kind of a no-brainer. as a sort of result of COVID, uh, you know, more people have shifted to, you know, wanting flexibility from their workplaces and that, you know, they're not in the office every day. Even clients that we're working with might only be in 
their Wellington office three days a week now. And so people are navigating how to create a creative space at home whilst also navigating the boundaries of it being their home space. Um, So I think that's something that will continue. And I think there will be a lot of emphasis placed on what does a workplace of the future look like. And that's going to be places that are really worthwhile commuting for in terms of, you know, people wanting to leave their house to go to work. So I think there's going to be a lot more emphasis on the design of workplaces in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, And where I'm angling there is what makes a workplace unique to go to. It's not just your sort of stock standard office and, you know, places of well-being and, yeah, what is what is that special workplace that you're willing to travel for look like? Yeah. Um, so I think that's something we'll see. Um, and then I think this continuation of the breaking down of boundaries between disciplines and, you know, that's modelled even by just Glenn and I, engineering design. I mean, that's quite a traditional, you know, long-standing um, merge of disciplines. But what we're seeing in our industries is uh, an increased appetite for collaboration. You know, we're, we're collaborating on projects with ecologists, Mm. Um, scientists, you know, like it's not just collaborating between design disciplines now. We've got even an extension of that. And the communities that you're creating the designs for expecting that type of engagement now too. So I think we'll see a continuation of that rise in collaboration. In those um, remote tools, and I, I think Lend, you know, have accelerated that and lend themselves to that collaborative approach, don't they? Yeah, definitely. You know, we're using online uh, workshop tools yeah. and there's so, so much more available to us now in terms of aiding that remote work Yeah, um, yeah. that's helping. Yeah. yeah. I think um, you mentioned that your team does come together in person fortnightly. Um but could you see yourself having like a, you know, a team that's kind of more spread out throughout the country or um, worldwide? And then, um, you know, how do you foster that that culture kind of in a completely remote studio? Is that possible? Yeah, I think, you know, that is an ever-evolving recipe that we're trying to crack is like, you know, we're learning like other studios of how do you create like, culture remotely um, and how can we uh, really foster when we are together this you know building of culture I definitely see um, our team being spread out across New Zealand I'm quite passionate personally about fostering New Zealand's creativity so I'm hesitant to work with creatives overseas my priority will be fostering creativity in Aotearoa definitely see see that and potentially we have future plans to upgrade upgrade the studio and build a custom facility in the bush that will uh, host a, a larger team uh, than what we have now as well as host clients out here for workshops so if you kind of 
I, I view the studio now as a little bit of a prototype and testing bed for that sort of thinking. And is there um, a project that you're working on at the moment that's that you'd like to um, tell us about? Yeah, we're doing a lot of uh, design work in e-learning. So there's been a huge rise in organisations needing to shift their training online. And the work that we do being a creative studio, we've got exactly the right tools to be able to support organisations to make their learning experiences really visually engaging and interactive. So we've been doing a lot of design work in the e-learning space. And uh, I definitely see that as something that will continue for us. One of the projects that we've worked on uh, most recently was for National Library, and it was around the equal pay anniversary. And so we created an online learning experience that educated people around uh, the equal pay and um, in history, basically where it's come from, where we are now. And they use that to basically help educate their um, audience and they also use that their events and programming to celebrate that event. And, yeah, that's one. We've got another one, which is microassets, which I can't kind of give too much away about, but microassets is um, another type of e-learning where basically the learner experience and what they're learning about is around a singular topic that can be completed uh, in the duration of a bus ride. And so we're creating the, this really cool experience for people in Aotearoa, which is, yeah, I, I can't give too much away about what it is, but um, it's filled with illustrations, um, lots of interactive like quizzes, and we're really looking forward to in time how we can kind of push that experience and releasing it to the public it's going to be quite a cool engaging little experience yeah that sounds um, really interesting and because I when you say e-learning it's so my mind can't help but um, back to like cd-roms so it's probably an industry that I I would guess was kind of resisting change and then through COVID been massive but then there's that opportunity there for a whole lot of um, design which is fantastic yeah and I think with more people spending more time at home in terms of the appetite for learning online that's rising as well so people are just wanting to do a course online not really wanting to necessarily go in and do a course in person so creating really cool interactive online learning experiences is actually like quite a fun little design challenge to do yeah yeah and do you have a kind of personal creative practice outside of your day job or does that keep you busy enough (laughs) (laughs) yeah well uh works definitely uh keeps keeps the brain bubbling away in terms of you know busyness but uh most recently the biggest personal project has been working on the build of our um, house so glenn and i uh, took on the challenge also when we quit to when i quit to papa um i started the business and we started the build of our house (laughs) and when i say the build of our house i don't mean project managing you know a construction company glenn literally has been building it with his own two hands and 
I've been kind of more having the architectural vision uh, to his annoyance in terms of him being like, why did you decide to design it like this? This is so complicated. So that has kept us really busy. We've just finished the build of the house, um, which has been really rewarding designing that. Um, but for my own like personal practice on a, you know, uh, on a regular basis, I typically go out into the bush or sit in my studio. I've got a little uh, book and I do this uh, mindfulness color pastel rubbings. So um, I pick out colors of pastels and then you color the page in a particular color, um, which may be based on the mood or just whatever you're sort of feeling. And again, it's related back to that sort of love of color but it's a really good grounding way to sort of start your start your day um, in terms of that sort of tranquility and peaceful, peacefulness before you get into potentially being a bit sort of busier. Mm, nice, yeah. So and and having that creative practice, then you're really disconnecting from that um, virtual environment as well and reconnecting and, as you say, grounding yourself to where you are. Yeah, and I think in terms of, uh, you know, for me, nature is how I sort of ground myself and also disconnect and reconnect. Uh, so anytime I can get out in nature is a key sort of part to keeping me creatively fueled. Do you ever see yourself moving um, back to where um, you're from? Like, Do you find that challenging to be living in a different part of this country? Personally, Wellington's home for me now. I absolutely love Wellington and, you know, the place that we live in terms of being based in nature. Yeah, I see myself being here for quite some time. Um, That being said, I do have family now on Tauranga, so my family's now relocated to Tauranga and uh, Glenn's family are there too. So there may come a time where we need to sort of do a short period in Tauranga um, to support our family. Not sure, uh, but preferably staying put in Wellington because I love the creative scene here. It's just such a good fit for, you know, arts and creativity and culture here. Yeah, and having those those two um, things sitting side by side with nature and then the buzz of, of that creative culture in the city. And um, finally, um, do you have words to, words of wisdom that you could share with other creatives and designers out there? Yeah, I think it would come back to uh, my nana. So when my nana passed away, she actually left me with a note in a in a little envelope on the back of a cardboard box. Was a little note that read, "Dear Celeste, don't aim for success. Just do what you love, and success will follow." And I I just think, you know, that sums it all up and that's how I've created the business and how I'm living my life and that's the advice I would give to people. Well, thank you very much for your time today. It's been lovely to hear about where you're from and your um, journey so far and in, in starting your own studio and um, I'm very much looking to for, forward to see um, where you go next. Kia ora, Celeste. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Louise.